Hi, I'm Lindsay with Valentium, and I'm talking with medtech industry leaders on how they change lives for a better world. The inventions and technologies are fascinating, and so are the people who work with them. There was a period of time where I realized fundamentally my job was to go hang out with really smart people that are saving lives and then do work that would help them save more lives. I got into the business to save lives and it is incredibly motivating to work with people who are in that same business, saving or improving lives. What better industry than where I get to wake up every day and just save people's lives? These are extraordinary people doing extraordinary work. And this is The Leading Difference. Hello, and welcome to The Leading Difference podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I am very excited to introduce you to my guest today, Dwayne Mancini. Dwayne is the CEO, managing partner, and founder of Project MedTech. He has extensive experience in go-to market strategy, including regulatory and reimbursement, biocompatibility, preclinical efficacy testing, and clinical trial design and execution. As a result of his unique background, he has developed a comprehensive understanding of what early stage startups need to do in order to be successful. And I am just so thrilled that you are here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. This is super exciting. Congratulations on launching the podcast as well. I know the work that is required to do that. Yes. And in fact, that is where I would love to just dive in because you have such a cool story about the way that Project MedTech has come about. And I would just love to hear it if you don't mind sharing it. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, my background as a chemist, I got my start at a company called NAMSA and NAMSA is just a a CRO in the medical device space, but phenomenal company when I was there that invested in their employees. And so they allowed me to learn a lot of different aspects, what a med tech company needs to do to bring a product to market, which was super nice. I had left there though in April of 2020 and went to a company called Covance, which was then acquired by LabCorp and I think now just recently spun off again. But in between me leaving there, I wanted to continue to give back to startups and learn the way I learned, which was talking to people experiences, that sort of thing. And I had found podcasts really interesting and there was no one really out there doing a podcast on what it took to run a med tech company. So I said, well, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. It'll keep me close to the startup scene where all the innovation is happening. I'm going to do this podcast. So I worked with one of my buddies from high school to do the design of the Project Med Tech logo. And I worked with another friend who was up in Chicago to do the jingle. And That's where I started, April 2020, right in the middle of everything shutting down because of the COVID pandemic. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So launched the podcast and there was always this greater idea of what I really wanted to do, which was launch a organization around really specific vertical of med tech startups. And the podcast was just first idea of it. And so, yeah, that's really where it started. That's a fantastic start. And I do want to hear the details too, because relatively speaking, although I'm sure there were times that did not feel like this to you, but from an outsider's perspective, I look and go, 
wow, a lot has happened really quickly for your organization. So I would just love to hear <laughs> more about how it's evolved. Yeah, and I'm happy to share, and I'm an oversharer, so I'm going to share some of the personal details as well and hoping that it inspires other entrepreneurs and people with ideas and whatnot, because that's really important as well. So I start the podcast. And like I said, the pandemic kind of shuts everything down. So people stop going to events. And so I stay really consistent on it. That was the whole idea was weekly podcast, no matter what, get it out. And uh, so I started doing that. And about six months in, I had some people reach out and say, Hey, how do I sponsor the podcast? And I said, interesting idea. I don't know. So I took that back, reflected on it and said, well, it makes sense, right? We're getting way more listens than a webinar would get. And it's weekly. So it's amplified even more than that. And so I gave it some thought. I worked out an agreement with the first person to come in and sponsor. And then that's when I said, hey, you know what? I maybe need to think about the other ideas I had for the rest of the company. And so that's when I approached a co-founder named Aaron Tenhusen, who is a guy I knew from a doubles volleyball league I played in and just someone I had had conversations with. So I approached him, told him the ideas, and he joined in November of 2020 to help with some of these ideas and I guess the concepts of what I wanted Project MedTech to be. So I worked with him to work out some of those kinks, sell him on the idea, and really kind of what we settled on was, hey, let's keep going after this media piece of this podcast and continuing to grow this brand. And so in the same year, my wife gave birth to our first daughter in December of 2020. And so it was just crazy with personal life, working a full-time job, and then trying to get this podcast that was going to be the launching pad for our larger company off the ground. <laughs> so then you're a new dad. Yep. 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 <laughs> and you partnered up with Aaron and then yep. and then what? Yeah, so so that continues to go really well. The podcast continues to expand. That is when I had reached out to another person in my network, Rich Mazzola. I knew his sister back in college. She was friends with my wife and we had just been in the same area. He was doing fractional CFO support for med tech companies, oddly enough. And uh, so I reached out to him and said, hey, this is our idea. We have our media company that we're going to do this podcast and do some events within. Then I have this idea for this consulting advisory group, but I have my background from Namsen LabCorp, but I'd love to get how CPA firms run their practices and law firms, mm -hmm. right? And maybe there's some yeah. mix of how we need to be doing this. And so I talked to him and sold him on the idea of, hey, why don't you come in and just be a co-founder here with us and help us conceptualize the idea. And so he was the next co-founder to, to really come in and be a part of helping me conceptualize how we would eventually launch this consulting advisory service. So I'll leave that one there, but he comes on uh, in May of 2021. I got to back up real quick. This is yeah. part of that personal journey. So in March of 2021, my wife comes off of maternity leave. She's a physical therapist and gets laid off. And so besides what everyone's probably thinking of, there's a lot that's probably illegal was. So all of 2021, I'm reaching out to Rich. And when I reach out to Rich, I'm having these personal discussions with my wife of, okay, well, she just got laid off. Does she go back to work full time? What does that look like? And oh, by the way, Project MedTech's going towards this path of 
I'm going to have to make a decision to either step back from my lab core position and do this full time or Project MedTech stays at just a podcast. And so we're having those personal discussions as well of, okay, we have the comfort of a nice job at LabCorp, but this is what I really want to do. So all of this is going on for me personally as well, beyond just the Project MedTech evolution, which is super exciting, but also super scary. So there's this. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So we progress further in that year. And by June, it's almost apparent that starting in 2022, I'm going to have to quit my job at LabCorp and go into Project MedTech full time if we really want to make a go at this based on the positive momentum we're having. But also within June, I reach out to Giovanni Loricella, who's part of Lifeblood Capital now. And approach him and say, look, I'm getting a ton of people reaching out about raising and investing capital in med tech. You have this presence on LinkedIn as well about raising and investing capital. Why don't you come do the podcast called MedTech Money for us at Project MedTech and host it? I don't have time to host another episode or another podcast series, but I do have time to produce it. So would you be interested in that? And he's, oh my gosh, 100%, let's do it. And so Giovanni comes on board and hosts the MedTech Money podcast series powered by Project MedTech and centers it around investing and raising capital specific to MedTech. And so it's been an absolutely wonderful partnership. He has Lifeblood Capital now, which is a recruiting firm and does this for us. And we both share in the benefit of putting out this podcast and giving back to the community. So that's where Giovanni comes in and is really an awesome partner. Flash forward to the end of 2021. And in October, we do this soft launch of, hey, I'm going to go full time. Can I fill out some consulting hours? And it happens like within that month. And so I put in my six-week notice in the middle of November. And then from all of November and December, it was just like this scary moment of having a one-year-old and quitting my full-time stable position at LabCorp to go full-time into Project MedTech. So yeah, that takes us to Project MedTech. And then I can tell you about where we're at today and that kind of thing. Yeah, I was going to ask you a little bit more about the consulting side of the business. I would love to hear your take on that. Yeah. Yep. So 2022, I go full-time in January. Aaron comes full-time in September. Rich comes full-time in August. We flash forward to where we're at today in 2023. We have 14 consultants on our team, a handful of which are full-time. The rest do part-time work with us. So what we did for our consulting group, we had this theory that what startups really needed were fractional resources across finance, commercial operations, and that's an overall business strategy. And that's the areas we had originally thought in 2022. So we used 2022 to work with clients, continue to bring people in that were willing to give this three-month-old consulting firm a chance based on what we were telling them and the people we had on our team. And from there, we spent all of 2022 really looking at trends of how we supported companies, where they're different things we were doing, were there similar things we were doing that we can be more efficient on. And so what we came out of that year with was there is a huge need for this. And what's appealing about the group is 
it's all under one roof, right? So if you go to a CPA firm and say, I need fractional CFO support, they're going to tell you they should be their next hire, right? And you're going to go on retainer with them and you're going to pay for that person when you don't need them. Same with a commercial person, same with an operations person. And what our value is, is it's a peel on peel off service. If you don't need us, then you don't need us. If you don't need a person, then you sub another person in. And so our idea was we ride with that. We've built a consulting firm for med tech startup companies rather than a consulting firm that's built around generating as much profit as possible and tries to slam startups into how that consulting firm is run. And so we've done the opposite, which has been frustrating at times to try to scale. But in the long run, it'll be super valuable. And we think we'll have a unique value proposition for these med tech companies. Okay. So what I love about what y'all do and to what you're saying is it's so highly focused on coming alongside these companies who they're probably founded by people who are brilliant at what they do, but they might not have the experience of a business background just to mm -hmm. supplement that, or we can't all be all the things as much as we'd like to be. So it sounds to me like the way that you all are able to come alongside and partner with these companies to provide them the support they need at the time they need it is a brilliant offering to the community. Yeah, that's a big piece of it, right? Startups don't need more advisors. Like they don't need more people to be coaches or tell them where to go dig the trench or how to climb the mountain. They need that, but they also need people who are going to get in there and execute the game plan with them or go dig the trench or go help them climb up Mount Everest, right? Like they need those individuals too. And to our knowledge, there was no organization that did both of that. And so that's what we set out to be for these early stage startup companies. And I think at first we thought we'd be a great fit for first time entrepreneurs. And then we started to look back and go, well, we have a lot of first time entrepreneurs, but we also have a lot of entrepreneurs who are on their second, third, fourth company who are like, yes, I need you because they know the power of the team. And so what we end up becoming for these people is filling in the gaps. We become their extended team members. And to take that one step further, what we've eventually found is that our core areas were finance, where we're supporting budgets, pro formas, cap table dilution scenarios. But that was spilling into operations where we're doing supply chain logistics and bill of material support and helping to be that internal owner for the startup company as they talk to groups that are contract manufacturers or the suppliers or your quality systems management. The CEOs of these companies don't have time to be managing that. So we were fractionalizing that role. And that spilled over into product fit, product messaging and go-to-market strategy and commercialization and how to sell to a hospital system and actually where we can put a fractional sales leader in place for you until you can go out and hire that first-time salesperson. And that spilled into investment strategy where we've built a great investment network, but we understand how to build pitch decks, executive summaries, how to target what investors you want to raise from and why you want to raise from those individuals. How do you do that? We help with warm introductions. And then that kind of just spills over an overall business strategy because we have this end-to-end -end service where we can help you think about, okay, your regulatory consultant's telling you this, but that's going to affect reimbursement, which is going to affect your clinical strategy, which is going to affect 
your commercial strategy. And so we are those early consultants who understand all those things, but then we'll go help you execute those things that you can't execute on your own. And our model is incredibly flexible, right? We meet the startup where they're at. And again, that makes it harder to scale, but that's okay because we're laying the groundwork for a company that just will know how to work with startups over time. It'll just take a little more time. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. And then beyond that, we do events. And so our whole thing with our events group was we don't want to go be another conference that's already out there. So how can we differ ourselves? So last year we did our startup symposium. We're going back to Houston in October of this year, October 25th and 26th, 2023. The whole idea from the startup symposium is we want to take companies from back of the napkin through exit with panel discussions on all the major topics that need to happen from ideating the idea all the way through exiting the company. And so that's exactly what we set out to do. And then we sprinkle in pitches from startup companies all within that time frame, plenty of networking sessions. And really the whole goal was, okay, let's connect this ecosystem. A lot of times startups get hung up on, well, I need to be in front of 10 investors. No, you don't. You need to be in front of 160 med tech nerds who are going to take what you need and connect you to the rest of the ecosystem. And that's true value. And so that's what we set out to do. And that's what we did last year with our first startup symposium in Houston, where we had 160 people from Singapore to Australia to all over Europe to Coast America, all in Houston, Texas for a couple of days. And so that's our one event. And then our second event we're going to do this year, which is actually before that one is in August. That's a little more of a passion project for me. I'm an Ohio guy. I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio on the east side of the state. Went to school on the west side of the state in Toledo for my bachelor's and master's and then now live in Cleveland. And so love the Midwest. And so we're going to do a Midwest showcase where the idea is to show off the innovation, connect the different startups, innovators, service providers, companies in the health tech, med tech ecosystem from Western PA all the way to Iowa, up to Wisconsin and Minnesota, even South and North Dakota, Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and just connect those regions where there's some really cool innovation going on. They don't happen to be in Boston or San Francisco where most people think of med tech hubs. And yeah, that's more of passion and just wanting to do our part in connecting the regions. I love that. Well, as a Kansas City gal for 10 and a half years, I fully support this endeavor. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you no, get it. <laughs> yeah, I do. And it's exciting yep. to see because there are really great companies and there is an ecosystem in the Midwest, but it doesn't have the same visibility always or maybe the same options because trade shows tend to be on the coasts. Yeah. So this is exciting. Very cool. Yeah. So if we were to rewind and let's say the start, either the end of 2019 or the start of 2020, could you have possibly imagined what this would have become by today? Oh, no, not a chance. I tell all the co-founders and the advisors that I couldn't imagine being here right now. Where We have an office space in downtown Cleveland that we work out of. And it's pretty surreal just because it started as a podcast. And I I think I originally said it was like, hey, five-year plan. I'm going to go full-time into this. And then it was, well, maybe it's three years. And 
then it was, well, we'll launch a consulting practice and I'll go full-time, but you guys come full-time in a couple years. Let me build this more. And then nine months later, they're both full-time. And so it's, yeah, every step of the way, we've far outpaced where we thought we'd be. And every time there's another milestone, I always think it's further off than it is. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty cool. And I love to hear that kind of success story. It's nice to hear that because... Everyone's story is so unique, but it doesn't always have to be a slow burn. <laughs> Sometimes it can just be a rocket ship, I guess. Yeah. And, what, and like to your point too, like the slow burn, we always looked at as we were as risk adverse as possible, right? Like yeah. no risks or at least not as big of risks each step of the way, right? And we've bootstrapped this. So we're different. You know, we didn't raise any money. And so that's made it a little more challenging as well. But We've also felt like each step of the way, it was as de-risked as it could possibly get before it's okay, well, you either got to do it or don't do it. And so it's been a wild ride. <laughs> yes, I can only yeah. imagine. Yes. Yeah. Well, so I am curious, is there a moment or maybe a series of moments that stands out to you? It could be with what you're doing now, but it could be in the past. I'm just curious, is there anything that particularly stands out to you as confirming that, yes, this is the right industry for me? That's a good question. Yeah, I would say back to the early NAMSA days. My background is theoretically set up for more of a pharmaceutical background. But when I got into NAMSA and then worked with with so many different companies, so you got to see so many cool products, there was one that stood out in 2015. and, And we had done the biocompatibility for a company that was working on a disease where kids are born and their esophagus doesn't connect to their stomach. And so... There was a lot of surgical procedures done, but this company had developed magnets that you essentially do one procedure where you insert it in the stomach, insert it in the throat, and then eventually the esophagus and stomach would fuse together. And we did the biocompatibility for that, which is like a small piece of medtech innovation. But I remember getting that story where they did it at their first clinical trial and the baby had two procedures and went home in seven weeks, which was like unheard of for this type of condition. And some of those details could be butchered a little bit, so no one hold me to it. But that was the general concept of it. And I just remember feeling like a sense of that's pretty cool how that paid off. And I had a part to play in that. And from there on out, it was just like an absolute addiction to the industry of, wow, we can make a lot of big differences in people's lives here. And part of it was like saying it tongue in cheek, but I used to be like, what better industry than where I get to wake up every day and and just save people's lives, affect people's lives in a positive way. And it's part tongue in cheek, but it's also serious. Like we all play a really big role in affecting people's lives in a really positive way that we don't get to see all that often because most of us aren't on the front line of treating patients like the clinicians are, but we're giving them the tools to do that. And so that was the earliest time I can remember where I said, oh, I'm going to be in this for the long haul. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. I can see how that would easily cause a healthy addiction to the industry. Yes. Yeah. I should say healthy addiction. Right. And because there's other things that are probably not so healthy, but that's one of them. (laughs) Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, throughout your career, and of course now being the primary founder or the first founder of your company, you've had opportunities to demonstrate leadership and be a leader within the industry. How would you define leadership or what does it mean to you? 
Yeah, this is something too that I spent a lot of time, especially like stepping into the role of I founded the company, but then it was discussed that I was going to be the CEO and take this primary leadership role. And I think that it was something that I took really serious about, okay, well, how do I want to be a leader? And part of it was, okay, I want to be hands-offish. I want people to feel like they have their creative freedom to to take an idea and run with it. And I've tried to instill that from the very beginning of, hey, here's my ideas. What are your thoughts on this? Take it back, take your time, add to it. It's a free space to put your idea out there and let people do what they're good at. I think sometimes people fall victim to, well, I'm the leader, I got to have all the answers. And you don't. You have to know where you're weak and put stronger people around you to fill those types of gaps you have. So I've, I've made a pretty big effort to try to do that. And I think if you met Aaron and Rich, you'd totally understand we all excel at different things. And Project Medtech doesn't happen without all of us. And so I think being humble in that sense is pretty important, which I see a lot of people struggle with, where they think they have to have all the answers. They want to do it by themselves. And that's not fun. Doing it as a team, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that was the early thoughts around leadership. And then a lot of it was just little things here and there that you pick up on, you read about. I, I did a lot of reading around psychology and how people make decisions and what motivates humans. I did a lot of reading from folks who did a lot around decision making and thinking, and they did a lot around behavioral economics. And so I spent a lot of time reading those books and thinking about those. And it's funny how little things stick, but there's a video that floats around one of the social media platforms, one of the short videos that talks about how the Navy SEALs make decisions on who they want on their team. So this guy draws a graph on the whiteboard and says, on one of the lines, it's performance. On the other lines, it's trust. And it says, obviously, you want high performance, high trust, right? That's an ideal person for your team. But then he says, we'd think that performance would be more important. But one of the most organized organizations in the world, the Navy SEALs, actually would rather take high trust, medium performance, and even potentially high trust, low performance over a high performer with low trust. And that was something that I watched and uh, like anything, I'm a scientist. I, every time I see something like that, I question it. And right. then I thought about it more and I'm like, wow, that's actually makes a ton of sense. And so that was something that we talked about from the very early days of even adding 1099s of they could be a high performer, low trust. We just have to identify that really quickly. But we'd rather take those high trust, medium performers because they're going to make great consultants as well because the clients are going to like them. And so we thought about those types of things really early on too. And that was a video that I just always go back to. The only difficulty with that is there's metrics out there to measure performance. There is not a ton of metrics out there to measure trust. And so that's been the issue of like, Right now, trust measurements is kind of on gut. <laughs> and that's not the best formula. <laughs> but anyways, that, I wanted to share that because we have a whiteboard here I'm looking at in our office. And we draw that graph on that whiteboard more than anything else to talk about people we're thinking about adding to the team and whatnot. Amazing. Yeah. And so if somebody were to be interested in obtaining a leadership role within the industry, potentially even follow a path somewhat similar to yours in terms of founding a company or something like that, what would be your advice for that person? 
Yeah. So I, I give you the advice that so Tim Blair is one of our advisors here. He's a consultant for us, but he's also someone that is an advisor for me as well. And the company at Project MedTech. His dad, Jeff Blair, was the CEO of NAMSA at one point in time. And Jeff was a guy I talked to while I was at NAMSA. And I talked to him a little bit and I got to sit down with him for just a 30 minute discussion. And I said, Hey, I said, this is what I want to do with my career. And he said, you better go learn how to sell. Cause I was a technical person who I was stepping into technical sales. And he said, you have to go learn how to do true sales and business development. If you want to be a leader at a company, which is what I really wanted to do. And so that is my piece of advice for folks who are in the space that are maybe in a technical role who want to get into leadership, they may have a low opinion of sales because I know I did before I was in it, right? I was that scientist who was like, what do we need salespeople for? And then I get into sales, marketing, business development. Uh And I was like, oh my gosh, I was Uh such an idiot. I was so wrong. That was advice that I look back and go, yep, 100% totally get it. You have to go do that because if you don't have those skills or haven't done that, running a company is going to be really hard because when you're running a company, you're selling internally and externally all the time. And so you better learn how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. (laughs) I can definitely (laughs) understand. And it is funny. I have talked to people who are quite skeptical of sales and marketing sometimes and coming from a different background. And I try to gently remind them, well, The thing is, if people don't know your product exists, they can't buy it. (laughs) Yeah, right. A hundred percent. I mean, like even take an example not related to med tech, but if you look at the Apple iPhone versus like an Android, right? I think most people who are really tech savvy or our engineers are really understand it will be like, oh gosh, the Android is so much better than the iPhone from a performance standpoint. Sure. But the iPhone owns the majority of the market. And it wasn't because someone built a better product. It's because their sales and marketing and their brand development was that much better. And they own the market for that. I brought this up one time and someone brought up the example of, I think it was like an A-track or cassette or something like this from like in the past with music. And it was another example of like someone had a superior product, but the branding and marketing of another product that maybe wasn't superior crushed them. They eliminated them out of the market. And so that is always the truth is that you have to have those sales and marketing people and you have to be good at what you do there. Right. Yep. (laughs) Unrelated a little bit, taking a turn. Imagine someone were to offer you a million dollars to teach a masterclass on anything you want. Doesn't have to be in your industry, but it could be. What would you choose to teach and why? Good question. I think I'd probably honestly stay in med tech. Stay in the master class of everything you need to do to make this med tech company successful. I think I have to stay there. I don't think I know enough about anything else to teach. I think that's my issue there. I'd love to say what worked for me for staying motivated or a lot of the mental things I've read about or like having a really worry-free kind of mindset, but that's just what's worked for me. And there's other experts and it's just been like, I've pulled that from so many other people. I'd probably have to stay in med tech. I think that's where I have to sit. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, hey, and yeah. you live it. So that's a great one to do a masterclass on. Yeah. 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 What is the one thing you wish to be remembered for after you leave this world? Well, one, I hope that my daughters remember me as a great father, first and foremost. So we have our second daughter on the way. I will tell you that being a father, and even maybe more specifically, like to my two daughters, has just absolutely changed me as an individual, way more sensitive, closer to my emotions, being just a dad in general. So hopefully that's first and foremost is that they look back and go, yeah, boy, dad was awesome. That'd be my first thing. And then after that, Project MedTech as consultants, we're not going to be remembered for bringing a specific product to market, right? That's going to be that founder. But just the fact that they made a difference in, in helping innovators bring really good ideas to market. And that's what I want to be remembered for personally, is that I help play a role in allowing people that have really good ideas to see their idea through to as far as they want. What kills me sometimes is when an innovator has a really good idea and they don't get to see it as far as they want to see it, right? When they're forcefully said, hey, some other CEO needs to take this role or someone else needs to take the leadership reins and they want to do that, I don't want that ever to be the case. I want it to be that they've made that decision because they had the resources to do what they wanted to do. And so I just want to play my role in, in bringing innovative products to market to improve patients' lives. That's the mission of Project MedTech. So I guess in a way, if you're going to be the founder and CEO of a company, that mission better be something you personally live by. And that's 100% what I want to be remembered for. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And it's really cool that you get to live that out now. You get to see impact that you're making in various people's and various companies' lives because of the role that you do get to play. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Well, this will be the final question, but I am yeah. curious to know how it's going to tie in. So what is one thing that makes you smile every time you see or think about it? I'll stay on the same track. It's family for me, family and friends, which I bucket together because anybody who knows me will tell you that like my group of people that maybe aren't blood related are still family for me. Yeah. And so that goes all the way down from my wife to my kids, to my parents, to my in-laws, to all of my friends. That is the one thing that just consistently brings joy to me. And then in the most cheesy entrepreneur way, it's Project MedTech and the development of Project MedTech and more so the companies we are supporting and when they have success. I love to see the success of Project MedTech, but even more so when a company hits a milestone or raises funding, gets to market, sells into a hospital, benefits a patient. That's honestly, for me, even a bigger moment to smile than the success of just Project MedTech, because that's why we're here is to support those companies. And so that's more than one, but those are those three things that consistently bring me happiness and make me smile. I love it. Great answer. Thank you so much again, so much for joining me today. I really appreciate yeah. Your stories, your insight, your advice. It's really cool to see Project MedTech's story. And I just I thank you again for sharing it with all of us because it's very inspiring and it's so cool what y'all are doing. So 
I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for starting your podcast series as well. It's funny. One last comment is I talk to so many people who think starting another podcast would be competitive and it's not, right? There's yeah. how many billion people in this world? There's a lot of ears for us to reach out to. And so I always think it's so cool when people are starting podcasts in the industry and and especially on more of the human side of thing like this, Lindsay. I thought you did a fantastic job on the interview and just making me feel comfortable, which I know is not easy to do as the sitting on the other side of the table. And I think the more of these things that exist where people can actually get to know folks in the med tech space like this is really exciting. It makes the industry a little bit closer. So kudos to you for taking the plunge and starting this podcast. It's a heavy lift. (laughs) Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I value that feedback too. Well, we are honored to be making a donation on your behalf as a thank you for your time today to Save the Children, which works to end the cycle of poverty by ensuring communities have the resources to provide children with a healthy, educational, and safe environment. So thank you very much for choosing that organization to support. And of course, I just wish you continued success as you work to change lives for a better world. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you also to our listeners for tuning in. And if you're feeling as inspired as I am right now, I'd love it if you'd share this episode with a colleague or two, and we will catch you next time. The Leading Difference podcast is brought to you by Valentium. Valentium is a contract design and manufacturing firm specializing in the development, production, and post-market support of diagnostic and therapeutic active medical devices, including implantables and wearables for neuromodulation and other class three indications. Valentium's core competencies include electrical design, mechanical design, embedded software, mobile apps, contract manufacturing, embedded cybersecurity, OT cybersecurity, systems engineering, human factors and usability, and automated test systems. Valentium works with clients worldwide, from startups seeking seed funding to established Fortune 100 companies. Visit valentium.com to explore your next step in medical device development. 